The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by Simply Safe Home Security. 24-7 professional monitoring is just 15 bucks a month. Go to simplysafe.com slash report to get 10% off your system or pick it up today at your local Best Buy. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to welcome listeners tuning in on radio stations in all 50 states and also extend a warm welcome to our men and women in uniform who are hearing us over the internet, particularly those of you serving overseas. Thank you for your service and for your many emails and letters. I can't tell you how much I appreciate them. In just a moment, the governor of Kentucky, Matt Bevan, will be joining us to talk about an invisible crisis in America, one which is another example of what happens when we keep kicking the can down the road and the mainstream media cooperates by failing to report the danger. That impending crisis is America's underfunded pension obligations, which, according to Moody's, reached almost $2 trillion in terms of a shortfall this year. And one of the states with the largest underfunded pensions is the state of Kentucky. But rather than allow that problem to grow, Governor Bevin may be putting his political future on the line to attack the problem head on. We're going to hear about what he's doing and some of the pushback he's been receiving as he tries to save Kentucky's pension program. But before Mr. Bevin joins us, as is my custom each week, let me tell you a little about his background. Matthew Griswold Bevin was born in Denver, Colorado, and is alumnus of Washington and Lee University and Central Michigan University. After earning his degree, Bevin served four years in the U.S. Army, attaining the rank of captain. After leaving active duty, Bevin worked as a consultant for SEI Investments Company and vice president of Putnam Investments where later he was offered a stake in national asset management and the opportunity to move to Kentucky, and he jumped on that opportunity when the company was sold. Bevin formed Integrity Asset Management. In 2008, Bevin found himself taking over the struggling family business started by his great-great-great-grandfather, Bevin Brothers Manufacturing, a business Bevin is credited with turning around. By 2013, Bevin was ready to throw his hat into the political race against five-time Senate incumbent Mitch McConnell. And while he wasn't successful in that race, in 2015, he carried that experience into a bid for the governorship of Kentucky. Bevin prevailed, and he became the state's 62nd governor. And true to his campaign promise, Bevin wasted no time addressing the state's troubled pension and tax systems. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report, Governor of Kentucky, Matt Bevin. Thank you for joining us today, Governor. You are very welcome. It's an honor to be on with you. Now, this summer, a news release from your office stated that Kentucky was $64 billion short of what it needs to pay retirement benefits over the next 30 years, which is a staggering figure. So maybe we can start with a simple explanation of how and why the shortfall was allowed to become so large. Well, as you noted, I mean, it is not unique to us, and yet on a per capita basis, or not per capita, based on a percentage of revenue that a state has, we are the worst funded pension system in America. Uh, other states like Illinois and Connecticut and uh, others also are struggling with this, but we are literally uh, as poorly funded, as underfunded as any of them. And how it came about is the same way it has come about at the federal level uh, and at county and local levels. It is from people kicking the can down the road. And there are several things that have led to it. First of all, it's it's faulty assumptions. People use uh, assumed rates of return. And when they overestimate the amount that they will make by investing the money, then, of course, the gap widens. When they overestimate how much payroll growth will contribute 
uh, then in fact the gap widens. And when they fail to fund properly those actuarial, actuarially required contributions uh, to fund as they go, then the gap grows. So there have been several things, but the biggest thing of all that nobody has been paying attention to in America, and you are right, it is a crisis, it's a multi-trillion dollar crisis, is the demographic reality of what's happening. When these plans were set up, there were seven, eight employees for every retiree. And as time has gone on, that number became six, then five, then four, then three, then two. And in some instances, there are less than two to one. And in some pension plans in America, including some here in Kentucky, we now have fewer workers than we have retirees. Now, a defined benefit plan only works if, in fact, you have more workers contributing for those that are retired. It cannot sustain itself under any circumstance if, in fact, you have fewer workers than retirees, especially if you have overestimated the returns, failed to get those investment returns, and find yourself in a hole. So the systems all over America are upside down. In the private sector, you have ERISA law that in 1974 laws were passed to address this crisis in the private sector pension systems. And in fact, by IRS rule, if a system gets to 60% funded or less, then the uh, PBGC will step in. It's a government entity, the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corp. They will come in and with taxpayer dollars, they will disband that pension system. They will pay out the beneficiaries at 15 cents on the dollar, and then the system will be shut down. So every single system in Kentucky, if we were a private sector system, would have already been shut down, and most of them around America would have been shut down. And yet, because the taxpayer is the never-ending backstop for many politicians, these uh, charades have been allowed to kick and kicked and kicked. And so this mm -hmm. is where we find ourselves in Kentucky and other places as well. Now, no governor wants to take on pensions because... Raising taxes and cutting benefits is probably the fastest way to lose voters. Yet, in spite of the controversy and incurring the venom of unions, teachers, state workers, uh, you called a special session and laid out your plan and recommendations all out on a dedicated web page. And you've been conducting Q&A sessions with the public over Facebook. Um, why, why are you unique as a governor? Why, why are you willing to put your career on the line to save this pension program when nobody else is? Well, I think it's interesting. This is honestly, Rebecca, this is why I ran. I, I've worked in the investment business, as you noted at the outset, and I've worked in the pension business specifically for years. And I have seen this crisis in the making. I'm married. I have nine children, actually. So I care about the future of what they're going to be faced with. And so my wife and I had five children. We adopted four more. I've got a full slew of little people. They're all at home. They're all between the ages of uh, seven and 18. And I look at what we are handing them. We're handing them a fiscal mess. And so I ran very specifically addressing this situation, sounding the alarm even as a candidate, saying that if, in fact, I'm elected, I am going to address this, and it will not be fun, and it will not be easy. And if people don't want it addressed and want to continue to kick, don't vote for me. But if, in fact, they do want it addressed, then I would be grateful for their support, and we're going to tackle it. Does this make me unique? I don't know. Uh, but I will say this. It's not the norm. And one thing that gives me an extraordinary advantage, and I'm grateful for, is this is the first political job I've ever had. I don't I've not aspired uh, to be a politician. I've not uh, built my life toward this end. I never took so much as a single political science course in my entire life. I've never worked for a campaign or a, or a politician. I'm a business guy. I'm a taxpayer. I'm a father. I'm an employer. I'm someone who saw what is happening and said, we can't let this happen on our watch. And so I have stepped forward. It is. You're right. You're absolutely correct. It's thankless. And every protected uh, entity wants to continue to be protected. People who have been able to play the system to their advantage in actuarially unsound manners by accruing benefits that haven't actually uh, been um, paid for, they, of course, are trying to preserve that. And they fight me at every turn, every union you could imagine, uh, public uh, employees union is not a proponent of any kind of change. 
They don't even want change for people that are not yet employees. Well, there is no question. I've done a lot of research on the state of Kentucky and the work that you're doing there on pensions. And I can tell you that the resistance has been uh, just absolutely overwhelming. So my hat is off to you. We have to take our first break, but stay where you are. We'll be right back with more from Governor Bevin. You're listening to the Costa Report. I'm here today with Scott Caraccioli of Caraccioli Cellars, whose Brut Cuvée is winning wine awards faster than we can name them. What is it about Caraccioli's Brut Cuvée that sets it apart from others? I really think it comes down to both process and the fruit. Uh, we're in a ideal location to grow Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, and being able to harvest that at optimal pick points in Monterey County, where you have a climate and soils that produce these grapes in the best way possible. Pulling them earlier on, you still get a lot of fruit expression, but you get a lot of acidity, which gives you the opportunity to make killer sparkling wine. And our Brute, being our flagship wine, has everything that's possible when it comes to sparkling wine. You can order any of our products directly from us by visiting our website at caracciolicellars.com or calling the tasting room directly, 831-622-7722. Hi, I'm Joan London with A Place for Mom. Over the years, we've helped thousands of families find senior care, and today's senior living communities have never been better. With amazing amenities like movie theaters, exercise rooms and swimming pools, even pet care services. And nobody understands your options like the advisors at A Place for Mom. Best of all, it's a free service. To get our free ebook on financing senior care, as well as a free referral for senior living communities in your area, call 1-800-806-8572. Listen up, because I want to let you in on a little secret. You don't have to be a psychic to know which business and political experts are going to be on the Costa Report next month. All you have to do is sign up for our free monthly newsletter at RebeccaCosta.com. It takes less than a minute, and when you do, you'll receive our guest schedule along with special announcements and free offers the first of every month. So go to RebeccaCosta.com and sign up today. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give dad his medicine. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m., I shower. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m., I shower. I start laundry at 8. At 10, we go for a walk. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. For those dealing with the daily struggles of caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community with experts and other caregivers for advice, tips, and support. Together, let's help each other better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. I am done with my mattress. That's right. I'm not spending another night on this old bag. My new mattress comes today, and this thing is out of here. Bye-bye, mattress. Yep. Bye-bye, mattress. So says you and about a thousand other people every day. And that's a lot of old mattresses with no place to go. There's the landfill, of course, where they just take up space. But what a waste. Because you could send it to a mattress recycler, where old mattresses get broken down into steel, foam, wood, and fiber that become new steel, carpet padding, home insulation, garden mulch, biomass fuel, locomotive oil filters, and all kinds of other great stuff. So Bye Bye Mattress is right. But don't toss it. Recycle it. It's easy. And it's free. To find a mattress recycler in your area, visit buybuymattress.com. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is Kentucky Governor Matt Bevan. And before we went to break, you were pointing out that you ran on the 
campaign promise of fixing Kentucky's underfunded pension program. And you are currently encountering resistance at every turn, which, when you really think about it, doesn't make a whole lot of sense if the alternative is that the pension program may be shut down and retirees will receive 15 cents on the dollar. I mean, why would you resist a fix if that may be the alternative? Well, it's interesting. I mean, in the public, it's because they know that 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 shutdown and 15 cents only applies to private sector pension plans. That's an IRS rule that nobody has ever at the government level applied that same level of constraint and responsibility to the public pension system. So they've been allowed to run amok because they're always backstopped by the taxpayer. And yet this is a multi trillion dollar problem in america the money is not there unless we stop the bleeding we will never solve these problems and the federal government can print money states cannot and so kentucky we could have all the promises in the world but if we run out of money the checks will still bounce and this is why i ran and i'll tell you rebecca it's important for those whether you're in california or anywhere you're listening uh out there to this to this broadcast the bottom line is this i would beg of you when you go to the ballot box Elect men and women who don't tell you what your itching ears want to hear, but tell you the truth and will tackle the hard issues. Men and women who don't just simply want to be in elected office, but men and women that are willing to be, even when they're going to be faced with making very, very tough decisions. Well, as I said before, not unique. I, I, as I said before, uh, anybody who tackles pensions is, you know, uh, essentially committing political suicide in today's climate. This is why I was uh, really excited to have you on the program today. You have taken a multifaceted approach to curing the pension problem. And I thought you you might like to talk about this idea of moving state workers toward a 401k-like plan. Can you address why that would work better than the current defined benefits program? Sure. There's several things to think about here. And the first is is this. There are contracts. There are pension obligations that are owed. There are certain things that have been earned in both legally and morally. I think it's the responsibility not only of Kentucky, but every other uh, entity that owes money to people to, to, ob- to, to fulfill their obligations. So, and yet, as we said earlier, you can't have one worker for every two retirees and think you have a defined benefit plan. You have a, a, a very poorly operating checking account at that point. So why would a defined contribution plan work better? And they're often known as like 401k or 403b type plans. A defined contribution plan is one where the employee sort of pays in as they go. And the thing about it that's great, Rebecca, is that it affords not only a tremendous degree of ownership, it's portable, it's flexible, it allows the individual to have control and not to be dependent on some government entity, which may or may not be responsible about funding or investing. And so the reason I think we need to move there is demographics demand it. The baby boom generation is retiring. There are no longer seven workers or even five or three for every retiree. And so it is fiscally irresponsible. You cannot expect the 90% plus of taxpayers to continue to fund for the 10% or less of public employees a benefit that they themselves don't even have and cannot afford. And so moving to a defined contribution plan, 401k, 403b, allows an individual to put money in along the way. It allows their employer to match that money. And that's standard. Many of your listeners, of course, and yourself are familiar with how that works. Mm -hmm. And that money is matched, the individual invests it, and then In the course of that, they also have the latitude to decide where it's invested aggressively, conservatively, for the long term, short term, they have some latitude. But additionally, it's portable. So they get to take it with them if and when they decide they don't want to make a career of being a public education teacher or a policeman or a highway worker. They may say three, eight, 10, 12, 15 years into a career that, you know what, this isn't what I want to do. I want to start a small business. I want to work for a nonprofit. They can then take the value of what they have saved for their retirement and they can port it along with them into a new defined contribution plan that they roll it into or into a self-directed IRA or something of that sort. 
And this is really why I ran is because very few people understand this to any degree. And yet they're the ones that are responsible for making decisions. And we are sinking our pension systems in America at the state level and at the federal level. Well, also at the local level, I believe right now the pension obligations are in Chicago are 10 times more than the revenue they take in. Uh, So at the local level, you've got uh, serious problems as well. Uh, And as I said, this is just something the media is not covering. And uh, most politicians want to want to stay away from. And it is a growing disaster and it must be dealt with. Um, Now, you have also suggested increasing the age at which people are entitled to those benefits. how, How would you handle that? Here's, it's, this is a fine line. We have not yet called this special session. I have been, as you noted, meeting with interest groups and individuals for months, uh, and especially in recent weeks as we have continued to dial this in. For months, I have been meeting for sometimes as long as six and seven straight hours in a row on this topic alone with leadership in the House and the Senate in this state talking about the fact that we've got to stop kicking this can. Among the things we have discussed is what is the proper age for uh, being able to receive a benefit that has been accrued. When these systems were first set up, it was typical that an individual receiving a defined benefit would live a single digit number of years after the point in which they were first eligible. Now people are living, and it's good that they are, but bad for the funding of the systems, they're living for as long or even longer in retirement than they did during the years that they were earning that retirement. Mm -hmm. You can't have a system that works that way. And so obviously looking at the age of retirement, Social Security has done this, the federal government has done this, other companies in the private sector have moved toward that, that most still don't even have any DB anymore, but a few DB plans, defined benefit plans exist in the private sector, and they've all looked at their age of retirement eligibility. We have talked about this in Kentucky, and yet you have contracts. And it is important to understand that even if one is right financially, if you happen to have signed a contract promising something fiscally unresponsible or not, the court of law, if they do their job, will stand with the contract. And I understand that, but that contracts are renegotiated all the time as long as the participants agreed. are willing. I agree, but here's what the sad reality is, and you know this, is that you get sued, you get, you, get, you get stayed, and then the problem continues and you bleed out. So the balance we're trying to find is how do we meet the promise and the obligation, but nothing more. What has happened in many states, including ours, is that things that were never, ever contractually obligated have been given. Cost of living adjustments for which nobody paid in. So that, frankly, people are getting a benefit for which there's no actuarial basis. There's no sound financial backing for giving this benefit to people. Right. So it sounds like you're going to tackle things that are not contractually obligated first and then see where you wind up on the on the contractual obligations. Uh, And I and I understand that, uh, particularly the cost of living uh, adjustments as well. But it seems to me if people delayed their pensions just a few years, it would buy Kentucky a little bit of time, and time is uh, what we need. We have to take another short break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Costa Report. When I say Italy, what comes to mind? Venice. Capri. Oh my gosh, Capri was marvelous. The views, the cliffside views, or traveling to Sorrento. Pirello Tours. Oh, Pirello Tours, for sure. Pirello. Hi, I'm Steve Pirello of Pirello Tours. With over 70 years of tour experience to Italy, it's no wonder Pirello Tours is synonymous with travel to Italy. I think of the culture. And to walk up to certain areas and touch a wall and think, oh, this wall's like 3,000 years old. Being on a Pirello tour on our anniversary was better than anything I can remember ever on an anniversary. I personally approve every itinerary to ensure a stress-free once-in-a-lifetime vacation. Call now for your free insider's guide to Perillo's Italy. Call in the next 30 minutes and qualify for a $100 gift card when you travel with us. Call 800-897-7176 I'm Paul George of the Indiana Pacers. When I was six, I had one thing on my mind. When I was six, my days were spent playing basketball every chance I could. When I was six, 
My dream was to make it to the NBA. When I was six, my mom had a stroke. So I want you to learn the signs of a stroke fast. F-A-S-T. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911. Because the sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in their recovery. I'm Paul George. Protect the ones you love. Spot a stroke F-A-S-T. Fast. Life is why. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Women now make up 37% of the workforce, changing their role forever. Harvard Medical School has now opened its doors to new female applicants. The first woman is now in space. The majority of last year's doctorate degrees were earned by women. We've come so far, but our news is changing for the worse. More women die from heart disease and stroke than men, even though it can be prevented. Make a change at GoRedForWomen.org today. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the American Heart Association's Go Red for Women. Okay, what are you wearing right now? Nothing. That's right. So mommy's going to teach you how to dress yourself. Underwear always comes first. Name tag at the back, then pants, then shirt. Get the first button in the right hole or you have to start all over. Socks going first, then shoes right on right, left on left. With shoelaces, just take the ends, cross them over, switch the loops. The rabbit goes down the hole, pull tight, and you're left with bunny ears. Got it? Why are your pants on your head? Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But two minutes twice a day, making sure they brush their teeth is easier, and it could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. Visit 2min2x.org to find out more. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. Yeah, you, it's me, your heart. Listen to me. We've got to talk. High blood pressure is serious, and yours? Whoa. What happened to us? We used to be so much more active. But lately, you've been ignoring me. I know you think I'm just going to keep ticking away forever, but you're wrong. You can do so much more to control your high blood pressure. Doing the minimum isn't doing enough. I'm under a lot of pressure and can quit whenever I want. Bet you didn't know that. But I like my job. Just treat me better. Check on me. Give me something green to nibble on every once in a while. And maybe we can do some exercise on occasion. Let's get to it. After all, we're in this together. Listen to your heart. Don't let it quit on you. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. Find out how at heart.org slash blood pressure. Check, change, control. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us, my guest today is the governor of Kentucky, Matt Bevin, who leaders in many states are keeping a close eye on owing to his aggressive stance on addressing the state's underfunded pensions. And before we went to break, you were pointing out that there are many pension benefits which were not contractually obligated uh, to be paid and which were never paid into in the first place. And the cost of living increases uh, happens to be one of those. Is that right? That is correct. In many, some plans, people maybe have paid in for a COLA or a cost of living adjustment, but in many cases, they were not paid for, but then they have been granted because uh, it's always easy to give away other people's money, and legislators often do that in this state and in others. And so monies have been given away that there was no actuarial basis for. But additionally, people have done other things like allowing folks to accrue unlimited vacation or sick days so that at the end of one's career, they might have two or 300 days. They get to then take the value of those days and roll that into their last year's salary. And then they've come up with other rules for which there's no actuarial basis, like high three or high five. So you retire by taking the average of your highest three years of pay, and then you, you multiply that, and that's what your benefit is, is determined by. So you might have earned, just pick a number, $60,000 a year for 30 years. So you might gross uh, $1.8 million during the course of your 30-year career. But let's just say in your last three years, you happen to get a job that paid you a very healthy six figures. Let's say you're now a, an administrator or superintendent or whatever the case might be. And now you're making 150 or more thousand. And so your benefit upon retirement is based on a percentage of your high three. So your last three years, let's say you make 150. Let's just say 
you, you have a, a formula that allows you to retire at 60% of your high three. That high three can be, again, compounded by rolling in sick days and vacation days and other things that were not intended to be included in your compensation. But I've but noticed, now let's just- Governor, what I've noticed when you bring this up, and, and, you know, listen, there's always ways to game the system, and that's what we're talking about here. But I've noticed when you bring this up, people feel you're accusing them of cheating the system. You know, there's such a backlash. I, I, I noticed one teacher just really went after you and, and said, you're accusing hardworking teachers of, of stealing from the pensions and, you know, taking advantage of loopholes. I didn't get that impression at all. You weren't going after anybody. You're simply saying, look, these loopholes have to be closed up because, you know what, we're That's in a state exactly of emergency right. here. I didn't hear that you were uh, accusing teachers of being dishonest. No, and never once. And in fact, I, it's, it's ironic. It, the people, there's, <laughs> the, the quicker someone is to be offended at something that you never actually said, uh, the closer you might be to the truth uh, of a particular situation. And I think that is the case here. But in the instance I was just saying, a teacher like that or, or another state worker or whoever could retire for 40 years making $90,000 a year when in fact they had earned an average of 60 for 30 years. So they could make twice as much in retirement as they made during the years that they worked. How is that even financially possible? And those that are funding this, who don't have these generous pension plans, they are the ones who are saying, what's going on here? I have neighbors that can retire in their 40s and 50s and live for 40 years making more than I'm making right now and I'm paying for it. And it's impossible to maintain. And people say, well, it's only a single digit, 10% or less of the population. But I'll tell you this, every dollar that goes to shoring these shortfalls up is a dollar that's not spent on public safety. It's a dollar that's not sent, spent on roads and on education and on things that people care about. It costs every single Kentuckian and every single American. And you start to see it affecting budgets. There in California, the city of San Jose got to the point, theirs was so severely underfunded that when they received money from the General Assembly in California, they would get a, a dollar and 90 cents of their budget for public offices had to go to paying for retirees that weren't even working anymore. So it becomes the whole <laughs> system is upside down. Unsustainable. It is. It, it is upside so down, but, but the way to fix it is everybody has to make some sacrifices. This is what I say. I say, look, if everybody's willing to make some incremental sacrifices, then there doesn't have to be a radical final correction. You know, you make adjustments. You make incremental adjustments along the way. Now, the failure to make those adjustments is what leads to radical corrections like the one you're dealing with in Kentucky and like San Jose had to deal with. And those corrections are painful. Let's be honest. They're painful. Yeah, I mean, look at San, San Bernardino and look at Detroit and all these places. You're absolutely right. And I think it's important for people to understand, to your exact point, that this did not happen overnight, and those that would think it's going to be fixed in two or three or five or even ten years are deluding themselves. This is a 30-year fix, but the first thing you have to do is stop digging deeper into the hole. So if we stop the things that are actuarially unsound and stop digging, then we can slowly but surely over 30 years come out of the hole. And one of the things that has to happen, I would like to introduce this term because it's something that everyone responsible for overseeing pension systems and their obligations needs to understand. There's a term called level dollar. And in, in legislators play games with assumptions, as we said at the beginning of this broadcast, to Im, not have to pay as much in as they should. If you go to a level dollar form of payment, that means you determine how much is owed over the next 30 years. And every single year by statute, this state and others will have to pay in. This is what I'm going to shoot for in this state, is that no future governor or legislature can play games. They will by law be required to pay one thirtieth of that obligation for the next 30 years. You can't shortchange it this year and say we'll make it up next year. That's what always happens. That's how these problems come. So That's exactly right. Uh, we, we need to learn from this experience and we need to keep up 
as we go. I know that that's, that's a foreign concept to everybody, but that's the only way you don't allow these crises from accumulating. Unfortunately, Governor, we're just about out of time. But before we say goodbye, I want to take this opportunity to thank you for your courage and for your service to the people in Kentucky and also to our country. Thank you for making time to speak to us on this important issue today. You are very welcome. Thank you so much. Before we take our station break, I want to alert you to something I recently learned from the FBI. The average property loss from one home burglary is $2,316, and that's just the average. When you tally up all these burglaries, the loss adds up to billions. And with so much to lose, I want you to protect your home and the people that you love the same way I safeguard mine. Get the Simply Safe security system. It protects every door and window in your home with sensors and also includes state of the art motion detectors and a blaring alarm designed to scare any intruder off and send your neighbors running right over. And the best news is the system is wireless, so thieves can't cut the wire to your security system and you don't need to drill, drill any holes. Uh, in the wall to install it. It took me about 20 minutes, 20, 25 minutes to install my system. And anyone who knows me knows I am not handy with tools. In addition to being easy to install, the system gives you 24-7 around-the-clock protection with the local police who are dispatched as soon as the alarm goes off and you don't answer your phone with your password. Where else are you going to get that kind of peace of mind and police protection for just $15 a month? Look, let's be honest. No one thinks that they're going to be the home that burglars pick. But you know that if you don't have a security system, you've increased your odds of being targeted. So go to simplysafe.com slash report and take advantage of a 10% discount when you order today or go to your local Best Buy and check the system out for yourself. I, I'm going to tell you as soon as you see it, you're going to say this is easy and you can have your home protected by tonight. That's simplysafe.com slash report, R-E-P-O-R-T, to get 10% off or go down to Best Buy and try it out for yourself and then order it at simplysafe.com slash report. Folks, your home is your sanctuary. It's your safe place. Protect your family, your pets, yourself. Rest easy like I do. Every time I set that alarm, I think about the fact that it's only costing me $15 a month to keep my home safe and that is about as worthwhile an investment as you're ever going to come across we have to take another break but we'll be right back after these important messages from our sponsors you're listening to the costa report if you're a fan of big ideas and thinking then you're going to want to sink your teeth into On the Verge. Jim Lair, John Scully, Alan Dershowitz, and dozens of business and government leaders from the full political spectrum have given On the Verge their highest reviews. And you can help drive the book to the top of the bestseller list by ordering On the Verge from Amazon right now. Our goal is to distribute 25,000 copies before the official release date. By placing your order for On the Verge right now, you'll help us beat that number. We need every listener to go to Amazon.com and order On the Verge as quickly as you can. And while you're at Amazon, order first edition gift copies of On the Verge for friends and family because they won't last long. On the Verge, on sale now at Amazon.com. That's On the Verge at Amazon.com. Are you struggling with addiction or alcohol problems? If you're depressed, drinking, and using drugs, you may need help. And the Affordable Care Act guarantees coverage of substance abuse. I knew I could get myself out of this. I just needed some hope and some help. I took the first step to recovery when I made the call. Call the Addiction Hope and Helpline now for a free assessment with someone who cares. Call 800-962-6969. 800 962 I feel like I'm losing control. I'm afraid I'll lose my job or even my family. Call now for hope and help with proven gentle recovery programs. I never thought that I could be somebody who didn't drink and use drugs. I'm in recovery, getting the help I need. Call the Addiction Hope and Helpline now for a free assessment with someone who cares. Call 800-962-6969. 800-962-6969. 
800-962-6969. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to mooch off your friends. You gonna finish that grape? You mean the one in my mouth? You don't need to stop buying the necessities. What you're smelling is a natural musk. Ew. You don't need to be a medical test subject. How do you feel? Mostly okay. I... (laughs) Sometimes, though. You don't need to get a second job as a stuntman. You just need an internet connection. Don't get left behind. Start your personal savings plan with the tips and tools on feedthepig.org. That way, you don't need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. All right, deal. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Hey, America. We need to have a little talk. I don't know if you've noticed, but we got a lot of food in this country. A lot of peaches, a lot of corn, a lot of apples, a lot of everything. We've got so much food that we can't even eat it all. So if we got all this extra food, how are 17 million kids in America struggling with hunger? I just don't get it. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks gathers surplus food and gets it to the hungry kids who need it. They can get you food even if you live in Idaho or Alaska or somewhere crazy like that. This isn't complicated. We got extra food and we've got hungry kids. Feeding America's done the math. Now it's your turn. Support Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. I know you got internet on your phone, so what are you waiting for? We can't do it without your help. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us, we have been speaking to the governor of Kentucky, Matt Bevan, who is tackling a crisis which many speculate may cost him his office, and that is the challenge of underfunded pensions. The latest figures put state and local pension debt at $4 trillion, trillion with a T. It's an ugly problem no leader wants to deal with, just as no leader in Washington wants to come to terms with the fact that Social Security and Medicare account for 42% of the federal government expenditures last year and are also underfunded. Since 1982, Social Security has collected roughly $20 trillion and paid out about 17 of that $20 trillion, leaving about $3 trillion in reserve. The trustees of Social Security currently project a deficit of around $51 billion in the next three years. That's their latest figure. But that's just the short-term Social Security debt. When it comes to Medicare, the trustees project that the problem will grow from 3.6% of America's total GDP to 5.6% of GDP by 2041. And they expect it to increase to almost 6% of our country's total GDP by 2091. So it should come as no surprise that the same stick our head in the sand until we run out of money mentality in Washington has been adopted by most state governors and legislatures whose pensions are now collectively underfunded by $4 trillion. At the top of the list of those facing the biggest underfunding crises are New Jersey, Kentucky, and California, who have only funded a third or less of their pension obligations. Colorado and Connecticut run only slightly behind with about 40% of the money needed to cover pensions. Next up, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, Minnesota, and South Carolina. According to Bloomberg, only six states and the District of Columbia have recently narrowed those funding gaps, with New York making the greatest progress, going from 91% funding to 95%. At the present time, only Washington, D.C., South Dakota, and New York pensions are safe from benefit cuts and higher taxes to cover the shortfalls. According to Actuarial Standards Board's Pension Task Force, only about 39% 
of all the money needed to pay all state and local pension obligations, which many states, such as Oregon, are obligated by law to pay out, has been collected. Don't even get me started on the troubled local pensions are in. Chicago's underfunded liabilities are 10 times the city's total revenues. 10 times. These are dawning figures, figures which mimic the same issues we face on a federal level. And what's more, they continue to worsen with time. Very few politicians are willing to tackle the problem because you don't win elections by telling pensioners that you're going to give them less and charge more taxes. And yet there really is no other way out of the economic hole that we've dug, folks, which is why I was delighted to have the governor of Kentucky, Matt Bevin, on the program today. Well, I may not agree with Bevin on all of his policies. I take my hat off to the fact that he has put the greater good of Kentucky ahead of his own political aspirations by addressing the pension problem head on. It's crippling his state. He knows it. Everybody knows it. He's attacking the problem on multiple fronts so that no single measure is so extreme that it hurts just one group of citizens and retirees. In other words, to the best of his ability, he's trying to spread the sacrifice around. And that is what we have to do. We have to spread the sacrifice around. Each of us has to be willing to take a little less so that the larger, more extreme measures, which may affect one group of individuals more than others, can completely be avoided. And by spreading it around, I mean, you know what? You, you, take, you, you delay get taking your pension maybe by a few years. That would be spreading it around. Uh, maybe you allow the loophole that uh, says the top three years of your income are going to be used to calculate your pension. Maybe it's not the top three. Maybe it's the top 10 or the top 15 years of income uh, that gets averaged out. There, there are little things that we can do along the way that, yeah, sure, they hurt our pocketbook. But in Bevin State, he's brought in an outside nonpartisan consultant to look at what's going on uh, and to close loopholes, which forced the state to pay out a lot more than's owed and take in a lot less revenue than it could. He recently took a lot of heat from the Kentucky teachers when he pointed to the fact that there's a loophole that allows teachers to use sick leave to up their pension, overall pension benefits. Now, take note, Bevan did not accuse any teachers of doing this. He simply said that there was a loophole in the system which could allow teachers to do this and it needed to be closed. Bevan has also handed over more than 300 tax exemptions and breaks to the legislature for review, which analysts estimate would add billions with a B billions to state coffers and help to make up for shortfalls in the current pension program. But those are just two of the actions Bevan has put forth. He's asked for the age of eligibility to be extended by a few years to buy time for Kentucky to fund pension programs the way they should have been all along. And more importantly, he wants to move future pensions to a 401-like program, matching program, rather than uh, the system that the state has today. Now, you can imagine the kind of heat Bevan is taking for tackling the pension issue. There can be no argument that powerful organizations are fighting him tooth and nail not to have their benefits affected, even though they must, on some level, realize there's no money to pay for those benefits. Many of the political analysts I confer with say Bevan is committing political suicide in Kentucky, that he will not survive the next election for the very reason other politicians stay clear of the pension crisis. Nobody wants to take this on. But, but you know, call me an optimist. Maybe I'm even delusional, but I have got to believe there are enough clear-minded, intelligent voters in this country and in the state of Kentucky that they will appreciate and support a leader who has put the greater good ahead of their own career in government. We keep saying that this is what we want. We say we want leaders to fix our problems. Don't kick the can down the road. But when it comes down to it, if it affects our wallets or benefits, even a little, are we willing to stand by those convictions? In this respect, the state of Kentucky makes for a good laboratory 
for other governors to keep a close eye on. If Bevin succeeds in heading off this pension crisis, his next stop ought to be Washington, where it's the same exact problem, only with just more zeros. Maybe he can scale up the success that he has in Kentucky, and wouldn't that be nice? And speaking about our wallets, you know my producers search high and low for sponsors who believe in their products so much that they're willing to let listeners of the Costa Report try out their offerings for free. And from time to time, I also take advantage of these free opportunities, and sometimes not just for myself. So the other day, my son Matthew, who you've heard me brag about many times on this program, stopped by on his way to work, and I noticed there was something different about him. These are things a mother notices. It doesn't matter what age your children get to be. Matthew looked so refreshed and well-groomed and healthy. I just had to ask him where he was going and why he looked so nice. And when I asked him, he said, I started using the Harry's razors you ordered for me. I use them every day now, Mom. Now, the reason I, I wanted to share this little story with you is because there really are some things you can't tell a person about like the smooth glide and ultra-close shave you get with a Harry's five-blade razor. These are things you've got to experience firsthand. It wouldn't have mattered how many times I told my son about Harry's razors. I just went ahead and got some. But I'll tell you something. Once you experience a Harry's razor, you're going to join my son in over 3 million people who have switched to a Harry's razor. In fact, Harry's is so confident you'll love the feel and the look of your next shave. They're offering listeners of the Costa Report a free trial. Just go to harrys.com slash Costa, C-O-S-T-A, to get your ergonomically designed razor handle, five precision blades, shaving gel, and blade cover. All you pay for is shipping, so do it now. That's harrys.com slash Costa to get your free trial razor, blades, gel, and blade cover. And remember to put in that slash Costa to get the complete razor kit. This offer won't last long, so jump on your phone or computer and go to harrys.com slash Costa. That's all the time we have this hour. My guest next week is former Vice President Walter Mondale, who, as history buffs know, had no easy time selling President Carter's programs for energy conservation and fiscal austerity to a Democratic Congress that wanted Johnson's great society. Don't miss Vice President Walter Mondale next week on the only program that puts policy ahead of politics. Now stay tuned for a second hour of the Costa Report. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.